Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about hobbies. us probably (laughs) turn to like a nice bit of knitting to relax or something like that but yeah the word hobbies just kind of throws me into an existential tailspin and this episode will explain why I suppose or maybe it won't and you'll just be like what are these people talking about probably a somewhat common reaction anyways I mean yeah I mean most of our topics aren't probably what people normally think of when they think of anxiety but then I think if they listen a little longer they'll realize okay actually maybe I am a little anxious about that too or maybe we're just super weird once we did the beaches episode I figured everything was fair game because we're (laughs) we're doing an episode on something which is like quintessential relaxation and we managed to get anxious about it. So anyways, this will be an interesting episode because it's not something that I'm necessarily as overtly anxious about as you are. But again, when I was thinking about it heading into the episode, I think this will be an episode where when we finish up, I'm going to have to come to terms with the fact that I'm anxious about elements of hobbies. And that's just because I'm unable to do anything passively you know everything has to be to the nth degree i think it's it's sort of like when i start anything i immediately open up the hood and see how i can soup it up or improve it like i'm unable to just go with the flow in a lot of ways i just i want everything to be better bigger and when it comes to hobbies sometimes it's like this is the reason you're doing the hobby so you can stop (laughs) thinking like this (laughs) but yeah anyways we shall get into all of that but first we get to check in with each other with a scale that could be one of the top scales we've ever come up with. And um, for, I love it. Personally. Yeah. For any new listeners, we have a scale every week that we check in with each other with just to kind of uh, plan a, a tone for the episode, if you will. And the scale is always related to the episode and we try to get pretty creative with it. And this week I would say we succeeded, but of course the <laughs> listener can be the judge. And I think we can all be thrilled that I've stopped calling listeners readers. This is a huge huge it only took a year (laughs) it only took like 50 episodes but i'm here now so on a scale of one to wandering around a michael's searching desperately for a hobby to define yourself with where are you at oh my god yeah so this is a scale which speaks to my soul I'd say that today I'm like a four. I've just been having a lot of physical, either something wrong with me or just anxiety. Who knows? That's the fun thing with like the physical symptoms of anxiety, right? But I've just been like having a lot of nausea for the past week. So that's completely unrelated to anything else. And it's been hard to get stuff done. And just kind of have a normal life when you just feel constantly like you're on a ship. <laughs> and so oh, I've, I've um, given up on the normal life thing also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably should. 
but um, I was still trying to push through and it made me a little anxious trying to work through all of that. Today, I just kind of said, fuck it. And what did I do? Oh, I started binging Are You the One, which released today on Netflix or yesterday, I guess. But it's just absolute trash reality television. I described it as Jersey Shore meets Love is Blind. So if that sounds like the perfect pandemic trash for you, you're welcome. Um, I just found <laughs> I just found a way for you to waste about 20 hours of your life because there are two seasons. And so I just kind of dug into that today ordered some McDonald's because I'm a piece of shit. And, <laughs> and yeah, you know, that was my day. So that helped with the anxiety. But yeah, I still didn't have the best week. So yeah, I'd say like a four-ish. What about you, Chris? On a scale of one to wandering around a Michael searching desperately for a hobby to define yourself with, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not too bad. For anyone who's not from Canada or the US, Michael's is like the penultimate hobby store where, you know, if you're looking for a particular brush for a particular painting technique, that's where you're going to find it. And it's uh, overwhelming color palettes. There's just, you know, you can find whatever you want there. And just hobbies you didn't even know existed. Like, right. oh, you can make model birds with googly eyes and like, you know, create a model bird collection or I don't even know. Your easel for painting upside down, you know. Yeah. Acro easels. <laughs> it's the new thing. This is the new thing. So on that scale, probably a three, kind of, you know, not too dissimilar from last week where I'm feeling not like terribly internally anxious, but like a little bit of physical manifestations of anxiety, just kind of like touch of shortness of breath which mm -hmm. of course anyone with anxiety will know is exacerbated by focusing on nothing but that shortness of breath mm -hmm. just over and over again until you find something to distract yourself with, which can be a little harder during the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> because you're like literally trapped at home. But all in all, not too bad. I think there's a lot of things coming up which are like sort of coming to a head where like I've made a certain amount of headway on different projects, including this project, considering Listeners might not know that we're also on video right now. And uh, yeah, that's the great reveal. I guess it's not a great reveal for anyone just listening because hopefully it sounds <laughs> the same audio quality, but we're planning on incorporating some video into things down the line. But all that to say, I'm actually really excited about a number of things that I'm doing that seem to be really gaining some momentum. And I guess that doesn't like prevent me from feeling a certain amount of like you know, anxiety or maybe even excitement to be on the other side of a few looming sort of deadlines, self-created deadlines where it's like, I wanted to have a certain amount of things done. But anyways, uh, I'm sure people will relate to that. But at the end of the day, I'd probably rather be overly excited and anxious about things than just anxious about nothing, which is uh, something which I've also experienced during this pandemic. So there we are. I think that about wraps up my check-in and I'm still thrilled about the scale. So, you know, maybe that's an actionable tip we could give somebody. Go just ask a friend in your life that question and see how that goes. <laughs> uh, just out of the blue. Yeah, just bring up a friend and just say, hey, dear friend, I'm worried about your mental health lately. So on a scale <laughs> of one to wandering around to Michaels, where are you at, buddy? Just be like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm worried about your mental health, my friend. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Are you still there? <laughs>
Okay, so where do you want to start? I guess I will just start with the preface that like, I've always had a bit of like an existential crisis around not really having hobbies makes me feel like a deeply uninteresting person. And, you know, as a kid, I never played sports or was really in clubs or extracurriculars. I read a lot as a kid. So I guess that was a hobby. That's a hobby. Yeah. But then I became an English major and destroyed my only (laughs) hobby. And now I like don't feel like I'm reading unless I have a pen in my hand writing notes in the margin and like preparing a mental thesis. So I don't even really enjoy reading anymore unless it's like absolute filth trash. (laughs) You know, she killed her husband or was it her twin? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) shit like that. So like I can't read anything that's remotely considered part of the canon anymore. Like (laughs) English major ruined me. But yeah, like I just never really found a hobby to like replace reading. I guess I had travel, but there ain't that no more. And also I turned travel into a career as well. So um, working as a travel writer or blogger, for those who don't know what we do when we're not podcasting. So that kind of has been the trajectory that a lot of my hobbies have taken in my life is like, I had something that I enjoyed, but then I decided to turn it into a career and then kind of sucked all the joy out of it. And so like reading was like that travel was sort of like that, although I still do enjoy the theory of traveling. I'm not sure (laughs) travel really exists. (laughs) Untested, um, untested for the last while. Yeah, (laughs) it hasn't been proven. But yeah, that's kind of where I stand with hobbies. So like the question like, so what do you like to do? is like the worst icebreaker you could ever possibly ask me. Like if you meet me at a party and you immediately want me to run and go hyperventilate in the corner, ask me, what do you do for fun? Because. Well, I also know you're anxious about parties. So just being there in general would already set you up for. Yeah. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Good. Well, I'll make a note of that. I think I relate to hobbies a little bit differently, but I probably have a similar propensity towards being anxious about hobbies. It just depends on how I frame them. And I'll elaborate so that sentence makes a little bit more sense. And I guess for me, I have a hard time not taking the personal and making it somehow professional. So I'll give you an example. Like I still try to read an ungodly amount of books per year. You know, I think I mentioned this before. I try to read 75 to 100 books a year. And all kinds of different books, still some in the canon, you know, as you mentioned, but a lot of different books as well. But since 2012, when I'm reading books, I put little flags in the book as I'm reading it because I'm cognizant of the fact that with my kind of ADHD brain, I'm not going to retain as much as I want to. So I put flags on important parts. And then at the end of reading the book, I'll go through the book and write notes on that book from the book. Um, That was a hell of a sentence. But basically, that means that now I have this Google Doc with like hundreds of pages of notes, which really I don't do anything with. But I still think it's worthwhile because it's forcing me to like revisit elements of the book that I'm interested by. And so on the one hand, it's a recognition of the fact that the way my brain works, if I want to get the most out of reading these books, 
you know, it's helpful for me to take notes. But the other side of the argument is like, do I need to take notes on books? Particularly, I do this with all books. I don't often, you know, put a hundred flags in a fiction novel and like that. It's more for nonfiction, but it still does beg the question, you know, ultimately I have taken what was personal and turned it into professional, but then I also do read professional books that do help me. So my big issue around hobbies is that the separation for me between personal and professional is very slim. So, you know, I read every night, but I'm often reading something which could help me professionally. So is that a hobby then, or does that become work? Like it's such a blurred line for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I managed to do this with most of my hobbies. I still have some hobbies I don't do that with, which I'll go with down the line. But I wanted to initially open up by talking about that sort of blurred line for me that I don't really know how to contend with, or at least to understand fully. Yeah. I think it's hard for me. Like you mentioned your goal of like 75 to a hundred bucks. So I set similar goals, but then the problem is that I'm a rebel when it comes to the four tendencies, a book by Gretchen Rubin. Basically it kind of defines personality in four types based on whether or not you like upholding expectations of others and yourself. And so like how you answer those questions ends up where you go. So I'm the worst kind, I guess, where you don't like to uphold (laughs) others' expectations or your own. So like when I write a list, I'm like, I want to read like 100 personal development books this year. That sounds great. Those are kind of easy to read and like that's reasonable and 100 is such a nice number. And I started to make a list of the 100 self-development books I was going to read. And then I was like, there was a part of my brain that was just like, this is stupid, Allison. Just just don't. You don't want to read these books. Why did you want to read these books? And it's like, this was something I wanted to do. This is my own initiative. But I have to like fight with myself a lot of the time about things that I think I might want to do. And it's crazy because it's just, I don't know where it comes from. It's just like this internal dialogue that's just very self-defeating. It's like, no, no, that thing that you wanted to do, you don't actually want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's just what happens with like a lot of my sort of like hobbies and best intentions is like I set up like an idea of what I'd like to be doing. And then there's that part of my brain that's like, but that doesn't really sound like fun, does it? (laughs) I love love the condescending Allison background voice. It's like, you don't want to do that, do you? That's not you. That's not us. (laughs) We don't like things. We don't enjoy anything. So then mine is the opposite. So I'll give you a concrete example to paint this picture, which is borderline ludicrous. On the weekend, I needed to get out of the city for a second. So I went up to my cottage, which is just so far away from anybody. And it's great. So Bree and I went up there and I brought up 10 books for four days because I was just like, I'm just going to tear through books. And it's something I actually really enjoy doing, just having a variety of books. But in my mind, I have this number of like the amount of books I'm going to read in my head. So I, sitting in this chair at one point, I look to my right and there's a book called Loons. And it's really a loon picture book. It's like pictures of loons and like information about loons. And I look on- Canadian it's, oh, it's ever. very, it's very Canadian. I know that. So I, yeah, very, very Canadian. So I look on Goodreads and and this book, Loons, is, is there with two ratings. So technically I can breeze through this Loons book and put it on a Goodreads as a red book. 
I thought about it. I didn't go for it, but like that is a place my mind went. So that can give you an idea of where my hobbies go at times, considering taking like half an hour, get a cup of tea and breezing through what was largely a loon picture book to increase the amount of books that I read this year. <laughs> oh, that's great. I kind of wish you had. And then you would have like published your list of books and would have been like loons. And it would be like, oh, is this like a look at like ableist slurs and like the 19th century ways of discussing <laughs> mental illness? And you're like, no, actually, it's just a picture book about loons. I mean, there was a lot of information at the, I did breeze through it enough to know that there are different chapters, which talked about different elements of Loon's lives. And so there was some information there, but I will say it was largely, albeit glorious pictures of Loon's. Of course, of course. Loons are there any are other kinds? I don't know. I don't really know what a Loon looks like off the top of my head, to be frank, but. Well, we're going to change just enjoying, that. I'm just enjoying like this image of like you sitting. And you're just like looking at the book, like, do I, do I do it? Do I do it? And it's just a picture and, book about and I wounds, didn't. I didn't. There's so much mental turmoil about this book. But Brie does make fun of me for like, sometimes she'll just call me a loon, um, just to bring that <laughs> full circle, because she's like, you got to calm down. But for the most part, it is a, I would say, a reasonably sane venture. But I do have my moments that I dabble uh, with, with, with that side of things. I, I think for me, when it comes to hobbies, reading is probably the most, intense example I have of something that I've kind of more or less turned into something that's both personal and professional. But there are some things where I, I think they're hobbies which serve me just very well as is and are an escape for me. Sports were that for me growing up 100%. All the worries that I had, again, this is going to be highly Canadian, but I, I was going to say they didn't follow me onto the ice. You know, when I was playing hockey, I never thought about that. But I definitely, I loved sports, all sports growing up. And I missed that tremendously because I guess when I'm playing sports, I really just don't often have time to think about everything else. And so that was a hobby for me, which was like, mm -hmm. of course, I'm highly competitive and I wanted to win and score and all that kind of stuff. But my goals were also related to like being a good teammate and being a leader and having fun and all those things. So it wasn't this like overwhelmingly like you know, it never got to the point where I was going to read a book about loons. I'll put it that way. And, and so I missed that tremendously. But again, we kind of always have a moment where it, during an episode where we talk about how this period of pause has forced us to reconsider everything. Hobbies, mm -hmm. the same, right? And so sports for me, I can clearly say are like, that is a positive hobby for me where I'm putting aside all the ambitions of life and so on. And I think serves me well. but not something I can do now, but it's something I will do when I can. Yeah. I mean, I know sports on your forte, but are, do you have a hobby in your life that you think about as like, this is unequivocally a good thing for me? I mean, like you could argue that you're like your bullshit TV is not necessarily a hobby, but like it is, well, I don't know. It depends how you define hobby. Like that it could be a lot a of joy, but right. I wouldn't say it's a hobby because I think Generally, a hobby is something that, you know, you produce something or generate something, whether that's movement or a physical object, like in the case of knitting, or you're generating knowledge in the case of reading, cooking, you're generating food. Whereas I think like TV, it's just sort of passive consumption. So I don't really 
consider that a hobby particularly. I think that's more just like entertainment. I think there's a slight difference because I think with a hobby, there is always sort of like a slight aspect of like enjoyment, but also continually getting better at something. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And that's the way that I conceptualize this whole talk and the way I've thought about hobbies my whole life. But I think that is more reflection of the type A, I don't want to say neurosis, but like more reflection of our collective mind state than what hobbies actually are. Because the definition in the dictionary is an activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. That's it. But not, but not generating anything? But no generating. That blows my mind. Yeah. Also, it is in archaic language, also the term used for a small horse or pony. But that doesn't serve us well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need that definition. <laughs> but thank you for that little tidbit. You're I like that. <laughs> Next time I see a pony, I'm going to be like, hello, hobby. You're like, oh, you speak the old tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you speak the old tongue. Oh, my God. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, but that is really funny because I definitely place an undue like moral value on hobbies that isn't inherently neutral to what hobbies are or like what hobbies are defined as because I see it almost as like another avenue for production essentially you know like either producing knowledge or objects or a better physique or a better mind I don't see it as just straight up leisure I see it as like both I think that's kind of actually been the problem with me and hobby is is then I kind of resist Mm -hmm. that because I associate it then as more of like a work thing and working to be better and I'm like nah I just want to rot my brain please Of course, I'm going a little bit further down the rabbit hole, but Wikipedia agrees that it's just a regular activity done for enjoyment and it's done not professionally and not for pay, (laughs) right? But it's interesting. I think that's too broad a definition for me. Like I think about hobbies as having, you know, something you do regularly that has a positive output, but the positive output could theoretically be that you watch crap TV and then the next day you're productive and happier. Like that's a positive output technically. And Mm -hmm. For me, when I'm reading, that's pure consumption. There's no output from that. However, you could argue that all that reading adds up to hopefully making me a better writer or I don't know, like what one would hope. Otherwise, uh, you know, and it's not why I read. I read because I look for ample opportunities to get out of my own head. And I kind of feel like it's a nice way that I can hop onto somebody else's track for a second. And I'm also really Mm -hmm. fascinated by, I feel like writing to me, is like a really deep expression of somebody's mental state. Like it's almost to me, like you kind of enter their matrix for a second, you know, in the way they see the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, I always kind of feel like if I read a, a tremendous book, I come out a little bit changed, but you know, I've had certain shows which have changed my perspective, like watch four seasons of black mirror and tell me that you don't have a different perspective on life. Right. Yeah. So it's really just about drawing boundaries And it seems like the two of us have an issue where we're only willing to call it a hobby if we decide on a subjective level that it's worthy of our time because there is a positive output from it. But maybe we just need to broaden our idea of positive output. Yeah, I think so, honestly. I think I'm definitely really quick to judge my hobbies. And part of that is, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, that I feel really uncomfortable being a beginner at anything. 
I have a very low frustration tolerance and I kind of immediately expect to be an expert or at least middlingly good at pretty much anything I do. And so anything that's like artistic that I've tried to do, I get profoundly frustrated trying to do things like drawing. I have like very little musical inclination. So anything I do that's like trying to play instruments is never kind of connected. And I really have struggled to maintain like the discipline of working through the beginner stage into the intermediate stage and not even worrying about like advanced and being like a virtuoso or anything. But it's just I always hate the early stages of things, which really prevents me from actually developing hobbies because I just basically expect to just start like fucking rocking everything, you know? And I think it's because like I had a couple just easy home runs in terms of things that I was just good at. Like I have been writing since I was eight years old. Like I just started writing stories that people kept telling me were awesome. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm a writer. Cool. And then other things that came a little more easily to me, I'm like, okay, like I can get behind this. Yeah. Okay. I'm a fast reader. Cool. But then anything that like really challenges me, I'm like, I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to (laughs) grow. Which is funny because like really it's mostly about getting through that initial stage to, I guess, to get to that second tier and then you start to really enjoy it. But Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you mean because I can same sometimes if I'm playing particular game, like I... I think of games as, I guess gaming can be a hobby. I don't see why mm-hmm. not, right? Yeah. I'm not a huge gamer, but I have been gaming a lot more since I've been stuck perennially indoors. And I've enjoyed a lot of it. But part of what I realized about gaming is that it's really important for me to understand how a particular hobby serves me. So for example, if my brain is not functioning on all cylinders, maybe it's best to throw on like whatever movie in the background and play some PGA golf, like something which is like delightfully mindless, pretty low stakes, you know, or what have you. And that works well for me, but that's part of understanding where I'm at mentally. If I was in that state and I tried to play Civilization VI, which is like a highly complex game of civilization building, and that's not going to serve me well. That's going to frustrate me. And and actually, in fact, I find that game, I just tried to play around with that game a little bit and I'm at that stage where I'm like maybe I'll just quit and never be good at this but like I need to go back and revisit it and realize like the reason that I got the game is because a friend told me it was really fun to play and I didn't get the game because I'm going to make Civilization 7 you know like I don't need to be the best at this game the objective in this case was only to have fun but I do think that that example serves for me at least to realize like there are, to put like just one label on a hobby itself, like reading or gaming or whatever is lazy in the sense that the way I think about a hobby is like, how can this actually be fun and really serve you in your leisure time? And for me, that means understanding that reading the right book at the right time, playing the right game at the right time and watching the right thing at the right time. So if that means watching, I think what you described as absolute filth maybe there's something inside of you that's telling you like allison we're not watching a documentary right now because you just spend the entire day working right yeah 
Totally, totally. It's time for Naked and Afraid XL. And uh, that's the other thing I've been binging because, you know, who doesn't want to watch, you know, naked people trying to survive in a jungle for 40 days? (laughs) This is who I am. I can't hide it. Naked and Afraid. This is just people who are scared and naked in places? It's a survivalist challenge. So they're like plunked into like really harsh environments and have to survive alone with only two to three tools and a partner for okay. 21 to 40 days, depending on what seasons you're watching. Okay. I thought this was like, you're at the Eiffel Tower and go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you no, scared, no. Mr. Naked Man? <laughs> I would be very scared, but I'd have a much better chance of survival. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you bring up gaming because I've been playing some games during the pandemic. I was never a big gamer before, but I really have to push through a profound period of initial resistance to a game because I tend to pick games that are like a little bit more strategy based, have some sort of slight mathematical element to it, like a combat based game that's like turn based combat games. And so you have to do a little calculations and strategizing, but there's a lot of like numbers and rules that you have to learn and just mechanics. And at the beginning, it's so unpleasant that I'm like, I despise this. And then eventually I become obsessed with the game and love the game so much and like really, really get into it. Like I found some games that I truly love. Like I've really gotten into Darkest Dungeon. Um, a new one's coming out this year. I'm so excited okay. for that. It's probably like the best game I've ever played. And Slay the Spire, which I'm also super yep. obsessed with. But I had to go through a period of just like, hating it so much. I tried to get into Hearthstone because my husband's been playing that game for like years and I've been watching him play it for like two years now. I have no fucking clue what's going on ever. He tried to explain it to me. I'm just like, I see this game literally every day of my life because it's just something he puts on in the background and just kind of like mindlessly plays. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what this is. And it's just like, but I know that if I sat down for like three hours and really immersed myself in it, I'd probably love it and get really good at it. But I just have so much resistance to things that are not easy on my brain. I'm one of those people who's always searching for a shortcut because I get really frustrated when I feel stupid. And in my mind, for some reason, like a game should be like easy and intuitive and you should know exactly what to do from the beginning, which like makes no sense. That's not the point of a game. A point of a game is to challenge you so you can learn how to do it better and make improvements and be excited about your improvement. But I'm like, oh, this isn't even fun. There's so many numbers. There's so many rules. How am I supposed to get all of this in my head? And so I really have to be in a specific mindset or the game just has to be like super stupid, like Candy Crush, you know? Yeah. Or a golf game where you're like, literally, it's just like different swings in different places. It's reasonably mindless. So it's interesting you mentioned that. That's what I call the Neo effect from The Matrix because Neo is able to like, I don't know if you remember the scene in the Matrix, where he's able to like upload martial arts to us. He's like, I want to learn like mm-hmm. Taekwondo. And he's like, boom, and now I'm master. That's what I want to happen. And I think the like yearning mm-hmm. for like the Neo effect, and for people who don't have one seen the Matrix, that's what Keanu Reeves' character is called in the Matrix Neo. Like, I just want it uploaded. I just want to be an expert at it immediately. I'm the exact same as you. And getting over that initial hump can be 
difficult at the same time hugely rewarding right like it's hugely rewarding to become mm-hmm. good at something and you probably could put forth the argument that like if you were able to do what neo did and like learn something immediately probably most of the fun of being a master at it would be gone right like i appreciate right. being good at certain things because i put that time into it and um, there are some people who have natural talent who could be better at me quicker but for the most part you know the people who didn't put that time in aren't going to be as good so it's worth recognizing that i guess one thing I just was thinking about, and this is not something I necessarily plan to bring up, but I think it's worth thinking about is, again, with this like blurred line for me with professional and personal definitions be damned, like sometimes what I want to do most is professional in nature. And I don't know if I, I know that's not a hobby, but I also realize like sometimes that does serve me best to not be a focused on like to not say like, well, you should do a hobby right now because you've been working or whatever. And the example I was going to give was last night, I was listening to an episode of how I built this with their resilience series and M night Shyamalan was on. And I'll be honest, like I kind of thought of M night Shyamalan as this like very one dimensional guy who was like, Ooh, what a plot twist. Boom. You know, but I actually found his, just the way he spoke and the way he candidly talked about his process, like really fascinating. And one thing he said was, Basically, you know, he was talking, he's like, you know, I try and advise people to like work without some of that anxiety and stuff. He's like, I'm terrible at that. I'm a very anxious person. But he was talking about how sometimes actually he gets into, there's a period where he's so anxious about doing something professionally that like actually working towards that is the thing that gets rid of that anxiety. And so it helps him more. So he was talking about the notion that like sometimes he's focused on an idea, uh, the next idea in a movie, for example. And he's so fixated on that, that he can't really enjoy anything else that one would consider a hobby because he's, he feels like he's, he's consumed by that. And so in that instance, it makes more sense for him not to be like, well, you've worked all day, you should do something that isn't working. It serves him better he said to like literally sit in a room for two hours with a pad of paper and a pencil and just whatever happens, happens, but not leave until he's confronted that. And then once he's confronted that, he's able to sort of move forward and do those hobbies. And mm-hmm. it struck a chord with me because sometimes there's like a roadblock in my mind that I realize that like, okay, well, like I should probably work through this today. Like if I want to play this game tonight or read tonight or do whatever tonight and feel that a little bit of that freedom. This is the task I need to work on today so that I can feel that openness or freedom to do my hobby in peace, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I tend to not really have so much of those hobbies to then like to separate the work from the hobby, you know? So I end up it's pretty much like I'm either working or consuming content that's 50% trash, 50% wholesome. And by wholesome, I don't mean actually wholesome. Like the most, <laughs> like, I just watched like a Swedish horror movie the other day, but that's still in the wholesome category because at least it's not reality TV. Or like it's, it took skill to make. Respectable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I meant to say is like an art, you know, like artful. But yeah, it's really hard for me to take credit for the things that actually are hobbies that I do do, but don't really feel like hobbies because they're in some way essential. Like, for example, I love okay. cooking. 
Yeah, I'm a really good cook. I've gotten super into specifically like Chinese cooking and like making my own dumplings, getting really into like Sichuan cuisine, which is something I can't get in Bulgaria, shockingly. And (laughs) (laughs) so I've gotten really into learning kind of like one cuisine at a time and cooking my way through a cookbook. And that's been a lot of fun. But for some reason, I still consider that almost just like, well, this is just a task of daily life. So like, it's not a hobby. It's something that I need to do to eat. But it's like, yeah, but you could also just chop up five potatoes and just eat those potatoes. (laughs) And you would have, you know, you'd still be alive, like probably not very nutritious or happy, but you'd be alive. So like, clearly, it's something I'm doing for pleasure and for education or betterment in the way of my brain. So it is a hobby, but I have trouble almost like taking credit for that. You know what I mean? And same with when I do read, I'm like, oh, but you know, that's just something everyone does. It's not a hobby. Everyone reads books, you know? So it's just hard for me to truly feel like my hobbies are actually hobbies. And it's been challenging for me because one thing I've tried to do is I'm realizing how much my self-worth is tied up with my work. It takes a global pandemic and losing 95% of your income to realize that sometimes. <laughs> but it was 100% um, worth it, Allison. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, totally. I'm definitely not still freaking out. But I've been trying to introduce constraint to my work schedule and seeing how much I can get done in a shorter amount of time. So I'm trying to work more like three to five hours a day as opposed to like, six to nine. But then I have all this extra time that I'm like, but, but I don't know what to do with this. You know, like, I don't I don't like doing things. I don't know what to do. And I just feel stuck. I feel lost. And then that makes me feel like really just boring, you know, and then I get anxiety about being a boring person with no hobbies. So then it's like, okay, well, I finished my work block and um, I, I don't really want to work anymore. Well, it, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. I guess I'm going to cook something. <laughs> Sorry, this is so interesting for me to hear just because I love the moments in this podcast where it's like we clearly have very different brains, but also a lot of, you know, there's huge overlap as well, obviously, in a lot of ways. We both get to equally sit at this table and share over many topics. In this case, what I was thinking about was just that, like, I have a similar sort of anxiety around not making use of free time. And so I go to like the nth degree where like I'll schedule out hobby stuff. So like, let's say I've finished my work day. Um, and I will always go for a walk, at least at this moment. I'll always go for a walk and listen to podcasts. Like, I guess that's a hobby. To me, it feels like a functional thing that I need to do to continue to exist in this realm like just i need to go for that walk i need to hear someone else's voice and just kind of like zone out to whatever but like it's very very rare that i would leave my place and not have a list of things i wanted to potentially do later and that list would include anything like even like playing a particular game or reading a particular book or writing my list for tomorrow or watching sports or whatever so like I sort of have similar backend systems for doing everything. So that's a part of this muddled mess again is like, even when I'm doing hobbies, I'm still like writing on lists and slowly completing it. Like, I just don't really know how to operate without that. But I think, again, that comes down to that whole recognition of with the brain that I've got, it's not really helpful for me to have too much open space. Yeah. Because then you get to this point, exactly what you were saying, where 
you're working your butt off for five hours or whatever. And then you get to the end and you're like, I did it. Then you have this like, now what moment where you're like, well, how do I celebrate this? And then, you know, going from one time wasting activity to another, it doesn't necessarily work. So I do try to, I mean, for me, I try to have one thing that's tethered to something that's going on uniquely that night. So like, I'll watch, you know, a hockey game or a basketball game or whatever. And, you know, if there's no match that I actually want to watch, I'll like throw a menial bet on it and put it on in my second monitor while I'm doing other things. And it's just like ties me to something going on on that day. And I'm not advocating for sports gambling as a hobby, but <laughs> there it is. But I, I guess it's just like, it's interesting for me to hear you talk about the dilemma of all that open time. And for me, it does work out to, I'll create this list of 10 things I could do so that when I come back from my walk, I don't feel this like uh, moment of like, what should I do next? It's actually instead just like, what do I want to choose to do right now to celebrate the fact that I don't have to do what I was doing earlier? And that's not to say like, I really enjoy the work yeah. that I do, but it still does feel like work and still drains me in certain ways. And I couldn't, I can't work perennially or you know endlessly or whatever. But that list may be the opposite of what some people who are listening should do. But for me, it just helps to be able to, like, I even will cross it off and be like, I'll kind of think of it in the lens of like, well, that was fun, as opposed to the lens of like, you got it done. And again, like, I don't know if that worked for anybody else, but it's just interesting. I'm at a point now where like, I can't really, the only time I can really function without like that quote unquote list is like when I'm hanging out with other people. Or when I'm traveling, but I haven't been able to do either of those things. So like I've become Mr. List. <laughs> List boy. <laughs> I prefer yeah. Mr. No, List. Actually, I think personally. that's honestly, <laughs> what, is that a little too uh, infantilizing? List <laughs> boy. It does kind of sound like a superhero though, <laughs> or like a superhero sidekick. <laughs> Batman and List boy. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, though, I do think that is a really smart strategy. I don't think there's anything wrong with planning your leisure time. Like, it just makes sure that you actually do the things that are leisureful, leisuring. Leisure I don't know the word. Leisurely, yes. There's an adjective for that. Whereas, like, if you don't do that, it's really easy to get sucked back into working more, which is what I usually do. It's like, okay, so. Pretty much I have like three options when I decide that I finished work. It's like I either can't think of anything to do and so I just continue to work. <laughs> B, I take on like an elaborate cooking project. Or C, I immediately start binge watching trash television. And so like I think actually one thing I am trying to do is – to get a little more curious with developing some hobbies. Like I want to go to Michael's, go to Michael's, <laughs> start, you know, cross stitching and start feathering birds. And, you know, I want to, you know, build a model train set across my apartment and just develop a whole new personality. I'm going to start collecting dolls then I'm going to have a license plate about collecting dolls so everyone knows that I'm just a doll head, you know? <laughs> Is that a term, a doll head? 
Yes, that's what we call ourselves. We're all dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good, good. Thank you. No, that thing came because I remember seeing like a terrifying license plate of like a woman whose car was filled with dolls and the license plate, not like the license plate itself, like the number, but like, you know, the text around the license plate was like, I'd rather be at a doll show. And I was like, oh, this one's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) i have a slight fear of dolls which may be just uh displaced anger at my parents for never buying me dolls who knows (laughs) (laughs) which just has has sent tremors through your life ever since (laughs) yeah it's the reason why i don't want kids it's all my parents fault for not buying me dolls (laughs) or another episode no i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) yes that is a big one actually that we will have to discuss at some point um Mm -hmm. in the future but yeah you know it's funny with cooking actually i started to go down that rabbit hole of making it be a monetizable hobby so at the beginning of the pandemic i was like all right i'm gonna start a food blog because god knows when we'll be able to travel again i was super pessimistic and turned out i was probably right to be fairly pessimistic like our industry did crater for well over a year and will continue to be in the dumps for a a little uh grand canyony right now Uh, yeah um getting better but you know it's still not great so um i started a food blog because i'm like oh i love cooking i already know how to blog what could possibly go wrong and then it was just like i fucking hated it so much like I hated the food styling the most, like the food photography and trying to work with like the light in my apartment and props and that element of it. And then just having, you know, it's just so much more work, I believe, than, you know, travel blogging in a way. Each piece of content you produce has so many more hours behind it. I was exhausted just trying to produce. Plus it ruined cooking legally for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was like everything was like, okay, well, I'm going to cook this recipe for the blog. And so like, let me quickly photograph it. And it's like, you know, people who actually food blog for career, they do actually kind of have that separation of like, I have my photo shoot days on these days and I write the blog posts on these days, but I was just trying to like weave it into just like my everyday life, you know, like I'd be just like, all right, breakfast, time to photograph it and write a blog post, lunch, time to photograph it, write a blog post. Yeah. And it was horrible. I hated it so much. And I think that this is something that is kind of pernicious and a lot of talk about like, get a side hustle, you know, like make money doing what you love. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm all for self-employment and kind of like getting out of corporate hellscapes in general. And just like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say corporate America, but that was like, well, that's not very inclusive to our Canadians and other worldwide listeners. And so so is much more applicable. Yes. You know, I'm all for that, but there is a true danger of making something you truly love become a career or like all the things you love being a career. It's like, I think you can make one thing you love your career, but then you also have to have other things. Otherwise, you just have a real issue with boundaries. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You want to be, you know, working on something professionally that you love. I think that's a reasonable goal in life, but it's not shocking to me that I 
probably st- I stopped writing less short stories and stuff for pleasure mm-hmm. when I started writing more you yeah. know, in other avenues because you just I'm like a firm believer that you have like there's only a certain amount of I don't know mental capital that you can tap into and so that's fine it just means that you know down the line I can work on that or when I take a week off I can work on that or something like that but I don't think it's a problem if you have a great idea for something you genuinely enjoy doing. Let's say you've been making tables for a decade and you're really good at it and you start to sell them as a side hustle. Great. That that could be something excellent for you. But you know, I think you're kind of right on the money where it's like you probably don't want to take all 10 things you love doing and turn them into money-making ventures because then it starts to become mm-hmm. something else entirely. I mean, this is somewhat random but i was watching that mr rogers movie with tom hanks the other week mm-hmm. and like i had no idea that mr rogers you know fred rogers was a pretty excellent pianist like he was really talented on the piano but he used that hobby to like decompress so like when he was working through something mentally he'd play the piano and sort of decompress from that there's a reason that he didn't also try and become a pianist as his side hustle so it's like, that's what I think we need to be weary of mm-hmm. is like making sure that our, all of our hobbies, you know, don't become just uh, elaborate side hustles. And I think that's just sort of the culture we're in, like that, that, be, that should become a new term. And I'm like a part of it in some way, because I'm doing all kinds of different things and balancing all sorts of different plates, but I'm very cognizant of like, oh, those are things that I'm trying to make money from. And these are things which, you know, like I'm never going to try and monetize my walks while I listen to podcasting. Or I listen to podcasting. I listen to podcasts, and you know I'm never going to get you know <laughs> elaborate. Like I love playing organized hockey. Probably not going to try and start my own league. You know this kind of stuff. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something necessarily. So I think that's an important mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people who have anxiety about having a hobby or not having hobbies? You know, one thing that I talked about in previous episodes was the idea that like during this time where everything's the same, it's hugely important to do things which are a little bit different. And so it's actually a really ideal time to try out a new hobby because when we're trying something new, our brain actually makes an effort to form memories around that. So there's so much of what we're doing that becomes so repetitive that physiologically our brain doesn't see it as terribly important to make those memories. And I think I've mentioned that before. So trying out these new things, um, trying out a new hobby, right now is a really low stakes time to try out something new, whether that's like you're bored of watching TV, so you're going to knit while you watch TV. Or you've never owned a game system, but you're a huge football fan and you're going to buy Madden and a PS5 or whatever. I think there are opportunities right now you know, to try out those kinds of different things. And I think like one actionable tip can be just to mention that despite the fact that you and I create elaborate systems around hobbies and all this kind of stuff, at the end of the day, it really is low stakes. And you can just go into something and just say, I don't need to be amazing at this. I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Not everything has to be outcome oriented. It can just be process oriented. I'm going to do this end of sentence and just enjoy that. That's something I can get a hell of a lot better at, but I have tried to incorporate a whole bunch of new stuff um, into my life. Like I stretch more than a Floridian retiree now and best metaphor of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And 
you know, there's a few other things that I've incorporated into my life, you know, meditation and so on that have become more consistent that I will bring forth with me into whatever exists after this period and be happy with that. But some of those hobbies, at least, I just want to make sure they, you know, I have some accountability. So maybe there's some goal around it. Like I'd like to try and do this um, a certain amount of times, but it doesn't have to be just for that. And that's something I'd like to do. And one way I can do that is by trying out a few new things that I can just quietly be terrible at (laughs) during the pandemic. And I think that's something I'm striving for, whether that's an actionable tip or just something to consider. I don't know. What about on your end? What actionable tips do you have, if any, or final remarks, et cetera? Yeah, my actionable tips are probably not so actionable, but let's just say I think one thing we've kind of learned through recording this podcast is that we need to be a little more gracious and understanding of what our idea of a hobby is. Yeah. And don't be so dismissive of the things that bring you joy in life. Lean into that and pursue that. And it doesn't matter what your outcome is. I like what you said about process, not output or process, not outcome. I liked it so much. I couldn't even remember exactly what it was you said. (laughs) But um, like, you know, I'm never going to open a restaurant or a food truck or have a pop up, you know, whatever. But I'm always going to enjoy cooking. And the but have you thought about a food that? blog, Allison? Have you thought about? Oh my God. Don't don't bring me back to that. Don't bring me back. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Uh... Yeah, no, <laughs> warranted. But there doesn't have to be an endpoint to your hobby. The hobby can just be the hobby. It can just be enjoyment. It can just be something you do to unwind. And also, doing nothing is perfectly fine as well. Like I think we've really kind of created this very bizarre culture that's all about like maximizing every single minute of of life and just like living everything to the fullest so it's like if you're not working you should like be doing like self-care or you should be like doing a hobby or you should be bettering yourself in some way or like changing the world but like you think about people who grew up in a different generation, they just sat on the porch and like looked out and just like watched things happen, you know? And I think there's like something to be said for that. There's something to be said for just like chilling and watching things happen, people watching or, you know, just taking a moment to just sit and relax and maybe sort of passively take in some music or passively take in a little bit of TV or even just enjoy like some scrolling on your phone. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's all about balancing work with kind of like things that feel frivolous, but like aren't necessarily. And also finding some things that do bring you joy and a little bit of more meaningfulness than just like, you know, scrolling Instagram and whatnot. Yeah. I don't think it's a an accidental correlation that there's more anxiety around in the world now and also less nothing going on and also you know less time that just to literally do nothing sit on that porch as you said something i'm really cognizant of i'm really bad at it I just tend to fill every minute um that i can and so like for example today i made lunch and usually i'd like put on a nothing show to just have on in the background when I'm eating. And I just literally sat at the table and ate with nothing. I just sat there for like 15 minutes and ate lunch and just focused on each bite that I was taking and just appreciated it. And um, yeah, it's not something I usually do, but I also understood that like I worked all morning 
And then that was going to be my break before we were recording this. And I just thought like, well, maybe like just not having noise and volume and everything going on will serve me well. So that's kind of what I did. And I think that I can be better at, at making a uh, place for that in my life. I think it's hugely valuable. I mean, there's a reason that some of your best ideas come to you in the shower, right? It's because you're like not focused on something else. You're literally just letting your thoughts settle. And I could do a better job of letting my thoughts yeah. settle. I kind of fill all my time in. So I think that can be something to think about, even just in relation to hobbies, like what hobbies still give you a little bit of mental space. I mean, you could, if knitting became mm -hmm. secondhand, it was still doing an activity, but there was something you were frustrated with or still mulling over sitting down and knitting for half an hour could be huge. It's an activity, but it might be an activity that serves you in, you know, your own ability to digest or understand events going on around you. Yeah, totally. I just had sort of a random memory about like that people sitting on the porch is when I was traveling around Cuba, I noticed that every single house had the same exact two chairs in the front of it. And I actually believe they're like government issued chairs that are like part of the sort of like the socialist rationing of things like electricity and housing and whatnot. But I feel like they recognize that the art of just being able to sit and watch the world go by is like a basic human need. And so I think that's yeah. probably why literally every single house had the same exact chair. So it's like, there's no way everyone just decided to buy the same two chairs. Like this is definitely like something that is given to people. And so, and you see people using them. And I think that's kind of cool. We don't do that really. It was like, I have a balcony. I sat on my balcony at the beginning of the pandemic a little bit, and now I never use it. I never just kind of sit and watch the world go by. Occasionally when it snows, I'll do that for like five minutes and feel like, wow, that was crazy that I did that. Or like I'll catch a sunset for like a minute or two and watch. But I think it's definitely something that we've lost that in the older generation could probably tell us something about the art of just sitting and kind of watching the world go by for a bit. Right. It's the same kind of notion that we've touched upon before where like before Netflix, you had like 17 DVDs that were laying around and you're like, let's just watch that movie. And you're like, I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is. But now there's like, you know, an anxiety around like, well, I have to choose between like 16,000 titles and am I making the right choice? Is that, and, and I think there's a certain, it can relate to that whole notion of like, sitting out on the porch and watching the world go by because you're like, well, this is like, there isn't a hundred things I could do right now. Um, and this is as worthy of my time as anything else. Um, I think probably maybe I need a doctor to, to prescribe that to me. Be like, Chris, like you need to get a pretty sweet rocking chair and just go from like, just become instantly old and just get that porch rocking going. I think you I do. Know, I, I feel like I could incorporate that into my life. I'm, I'm sure it would serve me very well. Anyway, before we go on too, too long um, in an episode that we thought was going to be short, but of course we were wrong and that rhymed. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, we always finish our episode. I didn't get the rhyme there, but I'll take your word for it. 
I said I didn't I didn't catch the rhyme there, but yeah, okay. Well, you'll have I'm to sure re-listen to it. That's the only option. And if <laughs> if that didn't rhyme, somebody feel free to call me out. Anyway, we always end every episode <laughs> patting ourselves on the back for something um, that usually happened in between the last time we were recording. So in the last week, is there anything that you are patting yourself on the back for, Allison? And also, I'll just say quickly during these segments where we like check in and check out as it were like we encourage listeners to do the same feel free to take a moment and zone us the hell out and just do your thing and and think about that for yourself too but either way after i've told them (laughs) zone out i'll pass it over to you allison (laughs) perfect because i don't have anything planned so do you want me to go low stakes is great yeah go for it go for it okay cool so i'm actually just patting myself on the back no 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 actually actually have it this time um, I am Ooh. patting myself on the back for um, rolling with this curveball of using like recording with video today. Uh, usually, like the idea of like I logged on to the platform that we use to record stuff today and noticed they had a new interface and they had video, which was like this beta thing they were doing. And I thought there was like a probably a 0.5% chance that I would want to record with video today because I'm like, um, uh, it's something new, like I'm gonna need to get my head around this, like I'm gonna need to take a deep breath here, like you know, and then you hopped on the platform and you're like, Well, why wouldn't we just record with video? And there was a big part of me that was I wanted to like be like, I'm not ready for this moment. Like I didn't mentally prepare myself for this. And so, you know, something I'm worried about after this pandemic is like I'm gonna have lost that ability to like dive into things with spontaneity. When I was traveling a lot and when I was in so many different positions, yeah. I was so good at saying yes when things were brought my way and just being like, I'm going to roll with it. But now like those things don't happen anymore. And so this is kind of an example of one time where that did happen. And there was a big part of me, you know, concerningly enough, I think it's just kind of the year that we've had, like where I'm just like something new change. Uh, no, like enough's change. We're not doing it. Um, and I'm patting myself on the back for rolling with it and we'll figure out a way to repurpose this video or like get it up on YouTube or something like that. So you guys can see our, I think it was uh wasn't too bad. Wasn't too uh wasn't too awkward. I think we did pretty well. No. Yeah. I'm slightly disappointed you didn't leave on your trashy backpacker tank top that <laughs> we've logged on to. Yeah, I know. I wearing think... like the most like I bought this on Kalsan Road in Bangkok, although it was Kuala Lumpur, I believe Love. you bought it in. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well <laughs> but people are never gonna see that. Screams, like, I backpack Central Asia or Southeast Asia. Ask me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, I was hoping uh, you wouldn't bring that up, uh, but you did. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, of, course, uh, of course. Are you patting it's yourself on the back? Are you patting yourself on the back for that this week? <laughs> for successfully bullying you? Yes. <laughs> I'm 43 for bullying you successfully. That's how many episodes we recorded. That was not as good of a burn as I hoped it would no. be. Anyway. backing away Um, from that not patting myself (laughs) yeah not patting myself on the back for that it's something really small but i'll go for it yesterday i did yoga for the first time in months and like i didn't even intend to do yoga that day i just kind of just did it like it was like and there wasn't any mental drama about it it was just like oh I want to like move my body in this way. So like, I'm just going to do like a 20 minute of yoga video. Cause like my lower back feels shitty. So like 
I just want to do like a 20 minute lower back yoga video. And I just did it. And I didn't have to like plan it or like do some elaborate stick and carrot kind of, or what is it? (laughs) Yeah, stick and carrot. (laughs) I didn't have to create some like elaborate system. I just realized that some movement would do me good and I did it. And as someone with depression, it's been really hard to actually act on any of my like movement oriented goals and stuff. I just always kind of like put it on the list and then I'm like, eh, I can't, I can't, I don't want to. It's not. Lethargy is a hell of a drug. It really is. Very intoxicating indeed. And so um, I just did it and there wasn't any mental drama. And I don't necessarily know if I'm going to like keep doing it, but I was just happy that I did it yesterday. You know, like I'm just like, I'm just letting that be thing. I just did it and it wasn't a big deal. That was cool. Wonderful. Well, that's a lovely note to end on. I enjoyed this episode actually a lot. It's another episode where I'm finishing up thinking that I've gained some perspective on hobbies in general, particularly once I actually understood the definition of hobbies. Uh, That was helpful (laughs) in my understanding of them, but also just fun to talk this through. Thank you everybody for listening. We just have a community on Facebook if you ever want to join us. We are anxious about, very appropriately named. And if you do like what we are producing over here, just make sure you subscribe and share with anyone else who might like it. If you're feeling extra excited and not lethargic at all, you can throw us a rating or a um, review or whatever, but you do you, whatever you're feeling. Yeah, those will be my parting words. Thanks everyone for listening and I shall pass it over to you for the grand finale. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. Um, I'm just going to be super boring and say thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great week filled with hobbies or non-hobbies. It doesn't matter. The perfect ending. (laughs) All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. (laughs)